This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. I still remember just a few years ago when the cascading lights of rainbow colors draped the White House. It was a momentous occasion, not just because the Supreme Court had ruled in favor of protecting marriage equality in this country, but specifically because the nation's home, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, was lit up in solidarity for inclusion, for love, and for all of those that have fought so hard to be treated with equal protection under the law. Even though that memory just seems so recent and not in the distant past, Fast forward a few years later, and protections under the law under this administration seem to be actively dismantled. Now, not all LGBTQ issues are defined the same or monolithic, so it would be foolish to compare marriage equality to what's happening in terms of an onslaught and assault against the transgender community. But one has to wonder if recent proposals from the Trump administration are actively undercutting the well-being and identity of equal protection of Americans of all stripes in this country. Just a few weeks back, the Trump administration started weighing publicly through a week a leaked memo that its biggest attack on transgender rights yet may actually strip federal recognition of gender identity of some 1.4 million Americans and require genetic testing in some cases to match a person's gender with the sex they were assigned at birth. The New York Times reported a couple Sundays back that the Department of Health and Human Services is actually floating a memo that could establish the legal definition of sex under Title IX, the federal civil rights law that bans discrimination in education on the basis of gender, that would render immutable the sex of a person at birth. In other words, the government would not recognize a person's gender other than the one based on their genitalia when they are born making it very clear that not only is the administration trying to undermine the legal protections of Americans in this country, but it's actively trying to define out the fact that certain Americans are who they are. In May, President Donald Trump's administration actually started rolling back these protections, this time rescinding some of the transgender people protections in prison. And in terms of this October announcement, the Department of Health and Human Services memo argues that key government agencies need to adopt an explicit and uniform definition of gender as determined on a biological basis that is clear, grounded in science, objective, and administratable. That means that not only are they trying to attach it to binary definitions at birth, but they're also trying to encourage multiple federal agencies beyond just the Department of Health and Human Services, the Department of Education, the Equal Opportunity um, Employment Commission, and many others to start to understand and draft new laws that would undercut the very notion of what it means to be a protected American in this country. This is American Enough with your host, Vikram Iyer. So how do we actually deal with the notion of our own identity, of who we are, and how we want to be 
when the government and federal agencies under the government's direction of this president are actively trying to erase our identity out of existence. Rafi Friedman Gerspan is the Director of External Relations at the National Center of Transgender Equality, where she oversees public education and field organizing operations. As a Senior Director for Public Engagement on behalf of the Obama administration, she was the key liaison to the lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender community and the Outreach and Recruitment Director for Presidential Personnel. Notably, Rafi was the first openly transgender staffer to work at the White House. So while this is a setback for many Americans and a cruel indictment of identity in this country, Rafi has seen these challenges and directed government policy to overcome them in the past. So Rafi, thank you so much for joining American Enough. Thank you so much for having me. So I want to start with... Um, you know, stepping back from this proposed rule or this leaked memo that has come out, it, it seems that in recent, uh, in the past couple of years during the tenure of this administration, there has been this clear, um, almost otherization uh, of the uh, of members of the LGBTQ community. You know, specifically the transgender community has had a huge target on its back from this president, ranging not only from the policies just you know mentioned, but even deeming transgender individuals unfit to serve in the military, for example. Um, and yet, the trans community has faced challenges for generations. Um, this might be a very explicit assault from the Oval office. Um, but progress has not been easy. And progress has only been realized by brave individuals like you, like the center that you work for standing up for others, and by a very, very steady drumbeat of a movement of inclusivity. So I guess from your perspective, does this sense of feeling like you can call America home, and that you can be comfortable in your own skin? Um, does it feel different uh, under the current times? Or is this sort of a part of a broader drip of of headwinds that you've had to deal with um, as a community, as an advocate, as a leader over the arc of time on behalf of transgender Americans everywhere? It's a very good question. Thank you for it. Um, you know, America's home, first of all, for uh, transgender Americans, nearly 2 million of us that uh, reside uh, in this country. Our history has been one of um, good times and bad times of immense struggle to get to where we are today, where Americans now know transgender people. Um, and transgender people are now in a place where we really are coming out and telling our stories about who we are and talking about how um, we need the protection of the law, just like every other uh, person who resides in this country. Um, certainly, this administration is starkly different from the last administration. The last administration did so many policy firsts for uh, the trans community. We count over 100 policy wins that the Obama administration brought about. And really, since day one, President Trump and his administration have just shown a depravity and an inhumanity in attacking vulnerable people, including transgender people. Uh, individuals. We saw that uh, pretty much out the gate when the uh, administration decided that they wanted to no longer accept uh, civil rights complaints from transgender students at the Department of Education and basically said to America's uh, vulnerable trans and non-binary youth, your complaints are not valid. 
And they went from there to uh, the trans military ban that you mentioned to, um, you know, the restrictions around uh, uh, health care that we're seeing um, and, you know, and, and basically saying to um, providers out there that they can invoke a religious uh, uh, convictions claim to say that they don't want to serve transgender people uh, in this country. Um, it is just a slide backwards, but um, transgender people are resilient. Let me tell you something about us transgender people. We have gone through a lot. I don't know of many other populations that have been so scorned um, and so misunderstood yet who have fought tooth and nail to be where they are. You know, um, this past Tuesday, um, we have saw uh, several transgender people elected to a local office again, as we saw in 2017. Um, one individual, Christine Halquist, while she did not win uh, the governorship of the state of Vermont, she was uh, the first transgender person on a major political party's um, you know, nomination ticket. And I think that speaks volumes about where we have come really in the last 30 years as a transgender uh, American community. And that that resilience is an incredible uh, concept to tap into because um, in many respects, uh, it is what has defined a movement and it was it is what continues to define the tenacity to stand up against these, um, you know, very overt attempts to just discount entire swaths, you know, by some estimates, uh, 1.4 million Americans. And I, I guess I'm curious when you take a look at the arc, arc of progress that has been realized in, in the past versus this current administration, um, does it seem from an advocacy perspective that it is worth litigating the merits of each individual action or, or rule that this administration tries to concoct? Um, or is it much more of a worthwhile use of time to kind of organize the broader mood of public opinion? And I, and I guess I ask this, but with a, a kind of a terrible analogy, but, you know, as we saw, even with marriage equality, even, you know, with our former boss and the last president, it took some time um, for even him to officially on the record declare an evolution when it came to um, simply marriage equality under the law, at least publicly on the record. And what really seemed to stir that direction, um, regardless of who you ask, seemed to be an evolution of times and a steady beat of advocacy and organizing and understanding that not only I am my brother's keeper, I am my sister's keeper, but my neighbor, my sister, my church uh, goer, my classmate, um, we're all from these different stripes of the same tapestry. And I, I, I think in some respects, and feel free to disagree, that that is what nudged a lot of lawmakers and policymakers to move past that on at least marriage equality. Um, but when it comes to transgender issues, even just recently, uh, as last year, there were states pushing forward bills to try and create very gender binary bathrooms on elementary school campuses. What is the tactic that you take um, as an advocate and as a community organizer here? Do we need to go after these proposals from this Trump White House specifically, or do we need to tap into a collective sense of understanding of who we are as a people in a community level? Well, you know, the interesting thing about the transgender movement in the last decade is that we have expanded so much that we actually are able to do both of those um, sort of two buckets that you're um, outlining there simultaneously. Um, National Center for Transgender Equality um, does not um, uh, 
handle legal cases. We don't um, do litigation, but we work with partners who do, such as Lambda Legal, the ACLU, um, and other organizations that, um, you know, time and again have been there. Um, and we have, you know, joined amicus briefs uh, with them on, you know, all these different policy levels. And certainly, um, you know, we have our we have our battles cut out for us with this administration. That's for sure. But something else that you mentioned is about changing the hearts and minds of everyone in this country. Um, and it really brings me back, actually, to you know one of our forefathers in this in this LGBTQ um, rights movement of Harvey Milk encouraging us to come out in the 70s. And that's really what transgender people have had to do in the last 20 years. Um, you know, uh, 20 years ago, it was very, very rare to, to meet transgender people who were out and proud. Um, and I would even argue it's only been in the last 10 years that it has been quote unquote, somewhat safe to come out. Uh, but for all of us that come out, there are risks. And as you probably well know, and your viewers, um, listeners rather um, well know, um, there are high rates of violence against our or against our um, community, especially those who are Black, Latino, um, and those living in poverty. Um, but that doesn't necessarily take away from the need to organize. And I think one of the things that we saw this past Tuesday um, in my home state of Massachusetts was the transgender community organizing, educating, and empowering themselves to fight back against a local uh, ballot question uh, that the opponents to transgender equality put got, unfortunately, signatures to get on the ballot to repeal a law that um, myself and other colleagues in Massachusetts worked very, very hard in the last decade to get on the books, which added gender identity as a covered um, class of protection under the State Civil Rights Act, and opponents wanted to take away a certain provision that essentially protected trans people in public uh, spaces, including hotels, restrooms, um, bathrooms, locker rooms, all of that known as public accommodations. But what the voting electorate of Massachusetts overwhelmingly said on Tuesday was, we want to uphold and keep this law that protects transgender people. We won um, by 68.7% uh, of the vote. Um, you know, that's nearly, you know, rounded up, that's nearly 70% of the electorate. Um, and as someone who worked in that state uh, nearly 10 years ago, I remember times when, frankly, state representatives, state senators, local, um, you know, political leaders, um, community leaders even wouldn't be in a room with us wouldn't even talk to transgender people. They were scared of us. They were, it, it was a, it was an un, uh, misunderstood um, topic. Um, there were um, negative perceptions. And what we had to do as a community in the Bay State was to teach people essentially about, hey, we're just like you. We're your constituents. We're the, your, um, you know, um, parishioners. We're your teachers. Um, very much like the gay, lesbian, and bisexual movement had to do. Um, and, you know, indeed, we are siblings in that movement, and we learned, you know, many critical lessons from the marriage equality fight. But, you know, we also acknowledge that 
Um, we're a smaller population, um, and you know, unfortunately, due to stigma, a poor community, we have less financial capital. Um, but I have to say, I am so proud of the folks in Massachusetts because they were able to really build a people's campaign. Uh, with allies, critically, with cisgender allies to say, no, we are not going to let um, this kind of progress slide. So it gives me hope. I know that there are states out there um, that aren't nearly as far ahead as Massachusetts is on this thinking. But I think what Massachusetts was able to demonstrate to the country on Tuesday was that um, we're, we're coming around the bend and we're, go and we're going to be in a place, hopefully, um, in less than 25 years where a lot of these issues are just no longer going to be issues where um, someone who has a child who is non-binary or transgender um, is just going to be able to go to school and not have to deal with ridiculous questions about where they're going to the bathroom or how their records should be reflected. All these kinds of policy, you know, issues that are at the forefront right now, what Tuesday taught me was that society is changing and they're seeing us for who we are as their neighbors and, and family and friends. It is an incredible tale for in terms of what you just outlined in Massachusetts. And it reminds everyone of this common uh, refrain that, you know, etched into our founding documents as a country. And it's something that multiple presidents would often invo invoke when they're trying to outline what they stand for. And it is this notion of we, the people, that as a collective body, we are governed uh, together. We, we fight for a common cause together. We protect the homeland together. And yet it seems um, that the, the tenor of this administration is to actively carve out some and only stand up for others. And I, I'm curious, right. you know, as someone that um, has been on the side of governing, as someone that um, had a seat inside the White House and it made it an active responsibility of theirs day in and day out to look out for people of all stripes, um, whether you feel that that sense of governing um, is adequately you know, kind of, uh, I guess, adequately framed as um, consistently for everyone. When you consider the following, um, the the, uh, the there was a, a gentleman actually at the Family Research Council um, that said under the last administration, liberals were so used to the president twisting the rules to suit the left's agenda, and it's it's news when Donald Trump decides to operate within the plain text of the law. Um, the Family Research Council, obviously representing a range of evangelical interests, um, but their argument seems to imply that um, set aside their own personal ideology and their own, you know, cruel hate and disdain for people that don't simply align with their, you know, homogenous worldview, they are making a broader point that perhaps under one administration, um, we were governing for just a, a specific cohort of Americans, and under the next administration, we're governing for another cohort of Americans. Is that a fair characterization to say that um, if somebody was looking out for one batch versus another, it is just the, the simple flow of, uh, and pendulum swing of politics? Or is that a twist in the way that we articulate what it means to govern for all of us as a people? Well, um, you know, Vikram, I mean, you and I um, worked intimately in an administration that I think was the most in many ways reflective of 
uh, American society and, and a range of issues, right? Not even just LGBTQ issues. I remember the things that we were doing around um, folks with disabilities for rural areas, for indigenous communities. You know, I mean, I can go on and on and on. Um, you know, the opponents are going to frame in their worldview how they saw the last administration. Um, but by no means do I think that um, uh, President Barack Obama was just trying to, um, you know, appease a certain amount of the community and not everyone else. I, I think, in fact, he tried his very best to, you know, build bridges. And that's what I think is the legacy of that administration, that we have to continue to build bridges across um, rivers, lakes, ponds, as large as they might be, we have to keep trying to do that. Um, and that's what I think we're trying to do here at National Center for Transgender Equality in that spirit. Um, you know, I should say we are, we are nonpartisan. We, you know, uh, there are transgender people who are, um, you know, of all political stripes, of all backgrounds. And I think that's something we take to heart here at the National Center for Transgender Equality is that we want to, um, you know, make progress for all transgender people that are out there um, in the, the 50 states and the six territories. Um, and we understand that there's a diversity of experience and, and views. That being said, one thing that you did um, just um, sort of paint a picture of as a pendulum, so to speak, um, is the fact that, you know, from administration to administration, uh, there are different legal interpretations um, of existing law that are out there. Now, the law is evolving on transgender issues, in particular within the vein of looking at how sex discrimination applies to folks who are transgender and the understanding of gender identity. But one thing that we at the National Center for Transgender Equality um, very much are looking forward to be pushing forward, um, regardless of whose uh, president, is um, the passage of the Equality Act that is in Congress uh, that was filed by um, Representative David Cicilline and others. Um, and that bill, to make it very clear, would codify um, gender identity and sexual orientation as protected civil rights classes. It would, you know, essentially open up the civil, you know, the 1964 Civil Rights Act and, um, you know, add gender identity and sexual orientation. Um, and that's critical for, for a reason that you outlined. You know, in a lot of ways, you know, we go, it's almost like a ping pong ball. You know, we go from one administration that says, yes, you, you know, you're protected, you may serve, whatever, and then you go to another one that says, absolutely not. LGBTQ Americans should not have to deal with heightened anxiety every time a presidential election um, happens every four years and wonder, am I going to be protected by this next administration, even if I didn't vote for them? Um, am I going to be worthy within their eyes? That's not fair. And in fact, what Congress should be doing is um, protecting all Americans' constitutional rights by, you know, this by vehicles like the Equality Act to ensure that, you know, essentially we're not politicized, right? That we, um, that we are protected as citizens of this country. I mean, we've had similar battles, you know, around women's rights, around racial justice issues, around folks with disabilities. And a lot of times we have to, you know, build up a case and yes, 
one party sometimes tends to open up to it before another. Um, but the one thing I would say is, you know, I, I want to acknowledge that there are um, folks out there who are working with, you know, uh, you know, the GOP and others to try and educate them on those issues too. So um, hopefully uh, within the next uh, decade, if not sooner, um, uh, either the Equality Act itself or a vehicle like that passes that um, we put into codified um, law that uh, uh, that LGBTQ people and indeed we at NCT Care that trans people are included in that um, that we are protected under this nation's laws. Um, and yes, we're going to go from um, administration to administration, and we're going to have some policy uh, debates and, you know, hopefully respectful uh, dialogue, uh, although these days it's hard to sometimes see that. But um, I have faith in um, our movement and in the, in the LGBTQ and trans movement to um, advance that. Um, we have to have that. We, um, unfortunately, you know, we, I'm very careful to, you know, frame us as uh, you know, second-class citizens, sort of, a, you know, that vernacular that you hear, but it is kind of true. You know, I just think about even locally living in the in the District of Columbia, I have rights here, but if I cross the Potomac and go to Virginia, I have no rights, um, and that's a, that's a stark contrast, and I think that shouldn't be. You know, we said no to other forms of discrimination in the past. Um, we should be saying uh, so to um, anti-LGBTQ uh, discrimination as well. You raised two incredible points. I mean, first, the fact that education and outreach starts with bridges and, you know, important reminders from where the last administration was in terms of building those bridges. We should be agnostic of, you know, the party in power, the person in power, and really focus on educating others. And, and the second point is sort of the long arc of history um, that has bent towards justice when you take a look at, um, you know, the women's suffrage movement, when you take a look at civil rights, mm -hmm. um, when you take a look at mm -hmm. e equal protections and, and the progress made so far for the LGBTQ community. Um, I, I think with those two in mind, though, you said something um, that, that captured my, my heart, which was Beyond policy, and you know, in a moment, I'd like to double-click a little bit on what the National Center mm -hmm. is doing across a range of issues. But stepping out from mm -hmm. just the politics and policy, there is this sense of mm -hmm. what you mentioned of regardless of who you vote for or who's in power – being able to just feel safe and decent and respected mm -hmm. and have a sense of dignity, mm -hmm. um, that is a, a core American ethos that we advance mm -hmm. often economically, right? The fact that you can work mm -hmm. hard, put food on the table, and leave your kids a little better mm -hmm. off than you are. Um, and yet when it comes mm -hmm. to people's identity of who they, they want to be, who they are, and how they want the world to treat them, it seems like there is a... a a lack of safety, a lack of respect, a lack of dignity. What would you say, you know, as somebody that, um, as you mentioned, has come up, up against your own personal struggles, you've seen this on behalf mm -hmm. of the broader community, to a young mm -hmm. uh, a trans high school student um, who feels nervous about walking in this country in their own skin, how do we make sure that they feel the sense of decency and that they too are American enough um, to to pursue the same achievements and levels of happiness as, as anyone else? Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I definitely don't want to 
um, uh, sort of sweep under the rug the fact of the immediate, you know, effects that people must feel right now. Um, you know, look, I mean, we're seeing all kinds of violence right now. It's been a, a little difficult two weeks, uh, you know, for a lot of us on a range of issues. Um, I would want folks to know that there's a whole group of people out there just like them. There are other youth just like them out there. And we now, of course, have um, mediums like the Internet and um, other social media uh, that folks can use to connect. But um, I would want them to actually look back at history. Um, you know, something that, that came to mind as you were um, sort of you know, reflecting on the on on all of that long arc of history, I actually think about how Thomas Jefferson, um, in the early uh, years, fought for uh, religious liberty, and one of the groups that he fought for were the Baptists. He wasn't Baptist at all, um, but he told the Baptists who were being incarcerated in Virginia, um, you know, for uh, practicing their faith that they should not, you know, be, you know, that he would fight for them, even though he didn't, you know, agree with them uh, religiously at the time. Um, and of course, he t ended up being more of a deist, but I'm, I, I'm, I'm going down another path there. But basically, the point is, is that we have a long American tradition of uh, defending others. Um, and, um, it, you know, using that Jefferson example, um, when he, um, you know, did go to court on behalf of the Baptists so that they could fight for their, um, you know, their right to worship. Um, I would want our kids to remember that history or to remember the other groups that have had to um, struggle, long struggles, right? Um, you know, African-American community, of course, notwithstanding women, of course, notwithstanding. And of course, uh, we have so much further to go. But I would want them to be proud about that because I think there is something when I travel abroad and meet other trans and LGBTQ um, folks from places like India or Uganda or Malaysia, um, they always say, you know, you, you come from a country that has, you know, such strong traditions. You know, we are just trying to get our countries to adopt some of these, what I guess we for Americans would say, take as, you know, simplistic truths that all human beings are created equal, um, that um, we are endowed with reason and conscience and should act towards one another in the spirit of siblinghood. Um, those in some places of the world, uh, that is that is not necessarily a given. And so our movement, our, our tradition of fighting for people's rights um, comes from that. And I think in this moment of darkness, we really should, you know, hold on to that light and be proud of that. And that's what I would want our youth to, to know about, um, to look back and know that it might not be tomorrow, but it, but it will be someday. Um, and the best thing that they can do, you know, I tell a lot of young people this when I go across the country, is I tell them to be successful in whatever they want to be successful in. Uh, I know a lot of LGBTQ youth right now want to be involved in a movement, and that is very noble. But I know we also need great doctors out there. We need great engineers. We have a whole infrastructure That's crisis right. in this country. Right. There are scientists, right? There are all these things, and, and it's so exciting when our kids can just 
um, you know, be successful. And of course, the, you know, there are legal barriers that we are working day in and day out um, that they, you know, so that they don't have to face those hurdles. Um, but the thing I tell them all the time is stay in school, be successful and be good to other people. I think that is, is so critical right now um, that we are good to each other um, as terrible as things might be. And that's an incredible reminder for, for anyone, um, regardless of how you might identify personally, that that sense of decency um, is ultimately what are what is going to build those bridges that we were talking about earlier in terms of inclusivity. Uh, and I think you also pointed out something very important, which is um, it's not just that when we talk about protections um, of the transgender community that we're simply talking about definitions around gender. Um, we're we're also talking about um, the the ability to just lead an everyday life, um, you know, to mm -hmm. pursue a career as a as a teacher, as a doctor, um, as an engineer, and something that the National Center of, of Transgender Equality um, focuses on is a whole host of issues that extend far beyond right. any one attempt by an administration to to rewrite gender. It is focused on aging issues for the trans community, uh, anti-violence mm -hmm. community uh, issues that you spoke to, employment issues, housing and homelessness, um, immigration, even even veterans um, coming out of, you know, mm -hmm. the Iraq and Afghani wars. Uh, I'm curious, how, how does the transgender, uh, or sorry, the National Center for Transgender Equality, rather, um, approach each of these issues? Is it, is it a matter of making sure that um, of the different types of challenges um, that a human can face, you know, whether you're a vet, whether you have housing challenges, whether you have immigration mm -hmm. challenges, that mm -hmm. they too will stand up for those issues on behalf of the trans community? Or do you take an advocacy approach that's more selective in terms of where there's an intersection of um, the trans community and particularly acute problems that keep up uh, popping up from time to time? I, I mean, I, I like to say it's it's sort of a mix of both, but I think the latter is a little bit more applicable in the sense that, you know, um, to use a, a sort of feminist analogy, we, we apply it a transgender lens on a lot of different areas of policy. I mean, we certainly, you know, acknowledge the fact, as we just discussed, transgender folks are everywhere. So arguably everything's a matter, uh, you know, every policy issue is a matter of, of for transgender people. But um, there are particulars, right? Like, you know, one of our, our big successes has been our state identification project, uh, where we have worked with uh, local and state governments um, on a range of, um, you know, uh, identification documents that are out there um, to make sure that transgender people, once they have transitioned, are able to change, update, as we say, uh, their name or gender marker, um, be it on their birth certificate, on their driver's license. Um, but we also work on those nuanced areas, right, like Medicaid. Uh, we, had a, we had a victory with Medicare uh, with their card to actually get gender uh, removed from those cards um, in in their next series of if issued cards, um, you know, arguably, you know, some things we would say, you know, why why does gender even need to be there? But even if it has to be there, um, we want to make sure that trans people are able to have identification that reflects who they are, right? So there's no hassle uh, when someone is going, um, you know, to uh, you know, a social security office and they're just trying to get whatever process uh, that they need. Um, and uh, people are like, wait, is this who you are? Um, folks shouldn't be dealing with that, right? Um, and then 
Uh, we also, uh, you know, look at, you know, some of the nuances that happen because of, you know, unfortunately because of discrimination, right? Again, I, you know, a lot of our folks are underemployed, if not unemployed, so uh, they are interfacing with the social welfare system, um, probably higher than other uh, communities, in particular within the LGBTQ community. So we are we are focused on issues around um, housing discrimination. We are focused around issues around around homeless shelters. Um, and then, you know, because of uh, the high rates of, of folks who have to engage in survival work, uh, we are, um, you know, intersecting with the criminal justice system, with the public health system when it comes to HIV and AIDS or, or um, sex work. Um, we're going to continue to do that because our philosophy is we have to be there where transgender people are. Um, and we have to make sure uh, that, um, we are educating systems, we are educating transgender people to speak for themselves and to advocate for themselves in a whole variety of um, different areas uh, where, you know, government and policy, uh, you, know, uh, you know, either need to be updated or just need to rethink how their, you know, sort of approaches um, when it comes to uh, inclusivity. And um, it's something I'm very proud of this organization day in and day out is that we're working on a whole ro a whole host of issues, excuse me. Um, uh, and I, I think that's just powerful, again, in terms of, you know, taking a step back and, you know, uh, seeing where the transgender community has come, you know, from, and 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 now that we're working on all these various issues of policy, I think it's just incredible. You know, you uh, know a little something about public service, but um, the the arc of yours uh, has really spanned not only administrations, but um, frankly, uh, various institutions in various states. Um, you know, let alone respecting that body of work that you've amassed, uh, you know, sitting on the Holocaust Memorial Council, um, working on the Massachusetts Transgender Political Coalition, um, being a, a policy advisor for, for the National Center on Racial and Economic justice initiatives, um, in addition uh, and separate from your, your current role as a director of external relations, um, that's, mm -hmm. that's a significant body of work focused on advocating for a community in which mm -hmm. you openly identify. I, I want to mm -hmm. ask, I wanna ask uh, in addition to that, um, you've given your life to this work. On some level, when you see the need to stand up for others, as just a human, as a citizen of this country, um, it must on some level also weigh a bit on your own shoulders to both walk <laughs> in the skin of, of being an American that confronts these issues as an everyday American and to walk in your shoes of confronting these issues on behalf of other Americans. How has your mm -hmm. own American identity evolved uh, either as an openly uh, transgendered individual yourself or as someone that stands mm -hmm. up for other? Because on some level, being who you are on its own comes up with its own, you know, fair challenges, as you described earlier. But going to battle and going to bat for others <laughs> must add an, an extra sense of, of uh, you know, you could call it stress or you could call it vision. But it may infuse, I would argue or assume it may infuse your worldview a bit. Talk us through a little bit of how you've seen your own kind of acceptance in America evolve and, and what it means to lead on behalf of others uh, at this time. Well, I, I, I uh, very much 
uh, view my American experience in, in two ways. One being an adopted person from Honduras. Um, you know, my coming to America was in many ways by chance. Um, you know, uh, I was born in the countryside in rural Honduras. Statistically, I should have been there. And who knows? Um, likely, I have relatives who are here as undocumented folks. Um, maybe they are part of the different caravans that are coming up right now. Um, so I very much view my American experience as, um, you know, immigrant adopted, right? Um, and that was something that my parents never kept from me about my my heritage um, and being Honduran. Um, but I'm also very much an American, um, and and uh, actually growing up in Boston, uh, you know, around all that history from uh, the American Revolution. Um, made me very, very proud, um, and I think that's in in some ways why um, I have been involved so much. Is this sense of um, it is it is a calling. It is important. It, I almost see it as a form of patriotism, um, as a person of, of faith, as as, a, as an American Jew. Um, you know, we have the concept in Judaism of tikkun olam, which means repairing the world, um, and really a call for social action and justice. Um, and I grew up in a synagogue. Uh, that uh, really emphasize that, um, you know, we, Christmas Day, uh, when our uh, Christian brothers and sisters are, uh, you know, uh, having the day off, uh, we would go and um, deliver meals to uh, elderly folks in the community who didn't have a family to visit them, that kind of thing I, I grew up on. Um, it is a weight, though, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, I, I would be lying to you if I said that um, there are days that it, it is just tough, right? And, you know, especially with the many intersections, being a, a person of color, being uh, Latino, being uh, trans, being Jewish, um, you know, all of that. I mean, I, I to be very upfront, you know, uh, last Saturday or two Saturdays ago when the shooting happened at the um, Tree of Life Synagogue in, in Pittsburgh. I mean, that that hit me, right? And, and of course, you know, coming from the experience, frankly, of having to have managed at the White House, the Pulse nightclub shooting response, um, you know, it brought back those, those horrible memories that, you know, unfortunately I have. Um, but in both instances, there is this sense uh, that you must carry on, that you must do, you must, um, you must act on behalf of others and stand with others. Um, and um, I think that is what has sort of kept me going um, and being, you know, caring about this country. You know, I, it's my, it's, it's my home. It's my adoptive homeland. It's where I was brought. It's, you know, um, uh, it's not always a walk in the park, but, um, you know, I try and remind myself that um, there are, many others um, who are just like me, um, who are coming from similar experiences, and that's part of the American story. Um, and that, you know, we have to, we have to continue the work. Uh, we have to continue our advocacy, uh, despite what might come, because um, we need to create a world um, for the next generation. Um, and hopefully it is better uh, than the one that, um, you know, we were, you know, inherited to us. And, you know, it just only gets better and better, but it takes time.
it's it's definitely not something that that doesn't it doesn't necessarily uh, fix itself in a day. And I think that's what I've learned in in the over a decade that I've now been doing advocacy work. I think that it's that unrelenting optimism um, on the the backs of an incredible story of your own background um, that really shows that promise of of America and perhaps a promise only found in America. And for all the darkness, as you put it, um, that we might be experiencing, I think. All all of our listeners would be encouraged to know that um, literally just 48 hours after um, this week's midterm elections, um, the Kansas governor-elect Laura Kelly um, actually said on Thursday that she plans to reinstate an executive order that issues protections for right. you know gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender state employees. So um, it starts with a movement. It starts with an advocacy arm of organizations institutionalized within different uh, elements of civil society. And frankly, it starts with stories um, and, and service from people like you. So Rafi, thank you so much for, for your work to and commitment to this community and for joining American Enough. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. This has been American Enough with Vikram Iyer. American Enough is a production of Mouth Media Network. Contact Vikram with your comments and questions at 844-4-VIKRAM and connect with the show on social media at American Enough. Theme music by Chris Thomas. Episodes available at AmericanEnoughPodcast.com and everywhere the best podcasts are found. To learn more about Mouth Media Network and how you can partner with this podcast, visit MouthMediaNetwork.com. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the hosts, callers, and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of Mouth Media Network. No portion of the show may be reproduced, published, or rebroadcast without the express written permission of the producers. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. <laughs>